Kids are dismissed for kids' praise, and I'll be in John chapter 12 today. The sermon is Authentic Love and Mary Anointing Jesus. How can you tell if you love something or someone? Whether it be a sport, like I love playing basketball, or whether it be um, food, or whether it be a person. Well, don't you throw your energy toward it? Be your resources, your time, your thoughts, your finances even? That's how you can tell you love something. But do you remember the first time that you fell in love? If you have already. Some of you said never yet. But but first time you fell in love, I remember back in those days, this, this Lynn on the left and some other guy on the right, I don't know, it looks, um, we fell in love when Lynn was traveling in a singing group, and uh, I was a youth pastor in Salina, and uh, my heart went pitter-patter, maybe before hers, and she was still traveling around the country in a van with other band members, and, uh, and so I, we had a long-distance relationship. Long before cell phones uh, and email, we did snail mail, and we did landline uh, phone calls like once a week. And I remember one particular phone call on a Thursday night where Lynn said, hey, I got the day off tomorrow, and she was in Nebraska, and I was in Salina, Kansas. So I said, I'll be there tomorrow. In fact, I'll leave right now, and it was 10 p.m. at night. So I drove through the night, and I, I parked in a, um, like a rest area and uh, fell asleep for a couple of hours. And right there, right there in the morning, I was there to greet her first thing in the morning so we could spend the entire day together. Now, my roommates at the time would have said I was smitten, uh, but Lynn would have done the same for me. Well, maybe not. But, and so you might think that's kind of foolish, that's kind of irresponsible and irrational to drive through the night like that. But when you're in love, you'll do just about anything. Well, God commanded us to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And what does it look like? When we do, it will be evident in our behavior. Maybe not to us. Maybe we might, detect it. we might not detect anything too different, but others will notice a difference in our lives. Well, one day before the Holy Week, the first Holy Week, when Jesus was walking on the earth with his disciples, it was the Saturday before Palm Sunday. Jesus and his disciples traveled to uh, their friend's home in Bethany, which was only a little under two miles south of Jerusalem. And it was the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, these siblings. Uh, Jewish historians tell us that, uh, named Josephus, he estimated that one million people would have been in the area at that time for the Passover. They would have come to Jerusalem, but just like the outskirts, there had been people staying in Bethany and the surrounding suburbs, if you will. And so Jesus and his disciples would stay at the house of Martha, Mary, and, uh, and their brother, Lazarus, because there probably wasn't room in Jerusalem. In the same way that Jesus' parents some 30 years earlier couldn't find room in the inn when, upon Jesus' birth. Well, Lazarus would have been raised from the dead by Jesus only three months earlier in Bethany. 
So that would have added to the excitement of Jesus' return to Bethany and to the home of Lazarus. And so the family decided they would throw a festival dinner for Jesus and for his disciples, for their distinguished guests. And this dinner would have been directed by the eldest sister, Martha, and the younger sister, Mary, well, she did other things at the time. Did you ever have a younger sibling in your household growing up? Were they as responsible as you? Well, I was the youngest, and I'm telling you, I was the most responsible. But my siblings would disagree with that. Well, uh, Martha was the very uh, responsible one. Um, But I would like to contrast this morning, not Martha and Mary, as other sermons would contrast, but I would like to contrast Mary with Judas in this story, Judas Iscariot. How did they both resemble, or how did they both love Jesus? And who do we most resemble, Mary or Judas? And you, you might be thinking, of course, Mary. You know, who wants to be Judas? Who wants to love like Judas? Well, don't be so quick, because we're going to look at Judas's life, and we're going to see he had some characteristics that were admirable as well. John chapter 12. Therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a dinner there, and Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with Jesus. Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he kept the money box, he used to steal money from the money box that was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Judas, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Speaking of the perfume. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask you to um, bring your power and your insight and wisdom uh, to your living word, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, what did you know about, notice about Mary and her love for Jesus in the story as contrasted with Judas? Well, the first thing I noticed was that Mary gave her very best while Judas did not. Verse 3, it said, Mary took a pound of very expensive perfume, a pure nard, and anointed Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and it filled the house with fragrance of perfume. Pure nard in those days would have been used uh, in four different ways. And it's something that Mary would have probably saved for many for a long time and even treasured and hid away this very expensive perfume had four uses in the culture one was a perfume especially during hot days to cover up the the sweat uh, second way it would have been used as a gift for kings because of its great value to honor a king another way to anoint kings and priests before they assume their office and the fourth way was to anoint dead bodies for burial Sort of like the old embalming fluid, if you will, to cover the scent. 
Anytime we offer our best to Jesus, be it in worship, like we just did, or in service, then we exude a fragrant perfume, if you will. The fragrant beauty of Jesus to others. Our worship and our service may seem very mundane. It may seem very ordinary and insignificant to us. But to God, it's a fragrant offering. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession a parade, and uses us to spread the aroma or the beautiful fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Anytime we worship him, we're offering a beautiful fragrance to God. Anytime we serve others in the name of Christ, we offer a beautiful fragrance. And when people are recipients of service like this in the name of Christ, they oftentimes think it is beautiful. Judas, on the other hand, didn't give his best. He reserved his best for himself. In verse 4, Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who intended to betray Jesus, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to the poor people? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he used to steal from the money box. Judas bought into a lie that money and prosperity will fulfill his greatest desires on earth. So much so that he justified his little episodes of embezzlement from the ministry funds. He was the treasurer for Jesus and for the disciples, and he used to help himself here and there. Many today buy into the same lie that money and possessions and material goods will grant us happiness. It's our greatest priority in life to pursue this, this comfort. A farmer placed this classified ad in the newspaper said farmer with 160 irrigated acres wants marriage-minded woman with tractor when replying please show picture of tractor even most of the most successful uh, american billionaires or multimillionaires have discovered that the pursuit of finances like this is a lie for example you've heard of vanderbilt who said, the care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. Or John Jacob Astor wrote, I am the most miserable man on earth. John D. Rockefeller wrote, I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Henry Ford wrote, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. They understood this eventually and yet we buy into that same lie that money success prosperity material goods will ultimately bring us all that we desire in happiness jesus said it this way the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light in other words if they're looking to christ or to god your whole body will be filled with light but if your eyes are unhealthy looking at the things of this world your whole body will be full of darkness Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, Mary gave her very best possession 
to Jesus sacrificially. While Judas took the best for himself in his pursuit of happiness. And I've learned in life that people are either givers or takers. They're either contributors or consumers. They're either lifters or they're leaners. They're either rivers or reservoirs. To what or to whom do we give our best when it comes to our time, our energy, our resources, our finances? Mary gave her best to Jesus, and that's how she displayed her love, and Judas reserved his best for himself. Uh, A second difference I see between Mary and Judas is this. Mary loved authentically, um, from within, internally. It flowed from within, whereas Judas loved inauthentically, and it was mostly externally, performance-based. Mary walked her talk. She was the real deal. What you saw is what you got with Mary. In fact, we're told again that Mary took her pound of very expensive perfume of Purinard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. With her hair. This was impetuous, more so than me driving through the night to Nebraska. This was embarrassing and irresponsible for a young Jewish woman, for any Jewish woman, to let her hair down in public because it would have been interpreted as uh, sensual. It would have been a stumbling block to any righteous male, much less dry Jesus' feet with her hair. That's simply gross. But did Mary care what others thought? I don't know. She might have been oblivious because she was so focused on her Lord, the one whom she loved. Her only desire was to express her great love to her wonderful Savior and Lord, even if it might have offended someone. Can you think of a time when your authentic love for Jesus offended someone? Well, Judas loved inauthentically, again, externally performing-based. And Judas Iscariot said in verse 4, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? That's a lot of money. And all the proceeds given to the poor. Well, that seems like a noble and compassionate thing to say if you're a disciple of Jesus. Let's care for the poor. Yeah, here, here, Judah, Judas. 300 denarii would have equaled a year's worth of wages And here, it was dumped on Jesus' feet. That money could feed a lot of hungry mouths. And then we read in verse 6, Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he kept the money box, he used used to steal from what was put into it. In other words, Judas spoke one way, and he lived another. He lacked authentic love and character. Henry Blackaby says this about character. He says, character is what you do when nobody else is looking and what you stand for when everyone is looking. Well, Judas lacked this character in authenticity. But Judas was still convincing uh, to his fellow disciples who he had traveled with for three years with Jesus He was convincing that he was a man of God who loved Jesus with all his heart. Even 
as he lined his pockets with the ministry funds, which no one knew about. He had duped his disciples even up to the night of the Last Supper and his betrayal three years after beginning this journey with Jesus. In fact, we're told in John 13 that Judas had charge of the money and some thought when he got up to leave the table from the Last Supper that Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. There goes Judas again, caring for the poor. Here, here, Judas. They believe that Jesus was, Judas was on some sort of mini mission trip or service project. They said, oh man, that guy, we admire him. Judas had mastered the appearance of living for Jesus through his outward behavior, but all along he was living for himself inwardly, self-centered. And how many of us can do that? We know what it looks like to be good people and nice and kind, but are we living for self or are we living for Christ? But Judas' true colors would ultimately um, come out, you know? It couldn't be hidden indefinitely, and none of ours can either. Jesus promised it's only a matter of time that the truth will be exposed when he said, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought up into the open. And we know this. Just turn on the news. Last week, my home state governor, Cuomo, is this close to being booted out of office because of his sexual abuse scandals. Oh, but not just politicians. Willow Creek Pastor Bill Hybels a few years ago, same thing. And now we've heard Ravi Zacharias before his death. He participated in sexual abuse scandals. Or how about the college admission scandals with Lori Laughlin and the 15 other wealthy Hollywood parents? Or how about the insider trading scandal with Martha Stewart? Or, or the doping steroid scandals from the athletes like Lance Armstrong and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds? Or how about the extramarital affair scandal with Tiger Woods? The truth will ultimately come to light. And here we think we have the means, we have the wisdom to hide our secret sins. Jesus said, no, no, no. It will all come out unless it's repented of. So that was the difference. Mary loved authentically and Judas lived a secret life. He was inauthentic. And it was all externally performance-based. Thirdly, Mary grew more sensitive to the Spirit of God the more she walked with Jesus. We read in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she might keep it, this fragrant perfume, for the day of my burial. Apparently she had a little bit of perfume left over after dumping a lot of it on his feet. Mary didn't understand the significance of why she felt prompted to go to her secret place and get her jar of, of expensive perfume and sacrificially dump it on Jesus' feet in worship. She had no idea why she did that until later when she discovered the significance of her actions about a week later upon Jesus' death and then subsequent burial. See that, ah. Oh. When we love Jesus we too will become sensitive to the Spirit's leading and promptings and we'll hear his voice and we will obey his voice. John 17, Jesus prayed this day, um, on the day before in the, in the garden 
of Gethsemane before he was hauled off and arrested. Jesus prayed, Father, I have made you known to them, my disciples, and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may also be in them. I want us to look at this verse again and I want us to pray that same prayer that Jesus prayed for us by inserting our name I've made you known to them, put your name. I have made you known to John, or put your name, okay? So let's read this prayer again, this prayer that Jesus prays for us. Father, I have made you known to, I will continue to make you known to John, in order that the love you have for me may be in John, and that I myself may be in You see, Jesus wants to reveal himself to us. And when we pursue him, when we love him, this is what he wants to do more than we want him to do it. He will reveal himself to us. Mary became more sensitive to the Spirit the more she followed Jesus. And then Judas, on the other hand, he grew less sensitive, increasingly hardened to the Spirit of God in his leading because he chose to worship the self-life put himself on the throne. The longer uh, Judas pursued his God of money, the more he questioned Jesus' teaching, and the harder his heart became toward God, which led to his eventual betrayal. I suspect that Judas' ultimate betrayal would slowly develop over time. I think when Judas was first chosen by Jesus, he probably had pretty pure motives. He was open, but as time went on, he started to disregard Jesus' teaching and, and he started thinking, I know a better way to live. I know a better way for success and for power and for comfort. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, every time you're making a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all of your life you're slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other people and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with others and with itself. Each of us at each moment is progressing to one state or the other. So I suspect this will happen in Judas. It's like a frog in the kettle. Little by little, he started turning away from Jesus, only incrementally in putting himself and his own needs first. But finally, on this day when Judas had had enough after Jesus confronted him and and rebuked him for his obviously brilliant observation about Mary's waste of resources on Jesus' feet, Judas said, this is the last straw. He was finally convinced that he knew better than Jesus Uh, how to bring about freedom from this Roman oppression. Someone had to take charge, and it would have to be him. It was then that Judas decided in his heart, I'm going to turn Jesus over to the Romans, to the enemies. And I can imagine Judas thinking this. Jesus, you continually talk about love and servanthood and submission, but Jesus, you know, that's weak talk. I too believe in submission, Jesus. That is forcing others to submit to my will. 
The only way that we'll truly experience peace around here is if we overtake our enemy by force, Jesus. So Jesus, if you aren't going to orchestrate this movement and see some heads rolling soon, then I'll take matters in my own hand and I'll force your hand, Jesus, to do something about it when I turn you over to the, the authorities. And when the enemy comes to arrest you, then you'll be more than ready to unleash your holy wrath and power against them. Ha! And I will save the day. The only problem was Judas's plan didn't go as he planned. It would backfire. And the lies that he chose to believe and act upon would ultimately lead to his own destruction. You know the rest of the story about Judas, right? As all sinful thoughts will in our lives if they're left unrepented. It will lead to our dem demise and destruction. So Mary, um, she grew um, increasingly soft toward the Holy Spirit's direction, and Judas grew increasingly hardened to the Spirit's leading. I guess my question is, which road are we on, even as Christians? Are we becoming more and more tender to the voice of the Spirit, His promptings, or are we becoming more focused on ourselves and less sensitive? <clears throat> and just the final point is this, final difference, and it's just one sentence almost. Mary, because of her love for Jesus and her extravagant gift of worship, she will be remembered forevermore. In Matthew's parallel account, Matthew wrote, Truly I tell you, whatever the, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, Jesus said. And so here we are, 2,000 plus years later, telling the story of Mary in memory of her and her great love for Jesus. Well, Judas will as well be forever remembered, but for his sin of betrayal. I mean, who's ever named their kid or grandkid, hey, here's my little baby Judas Iscariot Black. Isn't he beautiful? It's like saying, oh yeah, this is, this is my grandson Adolf Hitler Black. And you know, no one will name their kid that way because Judas is forever remembered as the one who betrayed the Savior of the world, where Mary, by contrast, her story will be remembered forevermore for her extravagant love. And how do you want to be remembered? So, simple question for the simple sermon. Who do you most resemble? Mary or Judas when it comes to your love for God and for Jesus? And I want you to ask these four questions to yourself before we close in worship. Uh, do you give your best to Jesus? Or do you reserve your best for yourself? The second question I want you to consider is, do you love Jesus authentically? Or is your love for Jesus more externally performance-based, inauthentic? <clears throat> Third question is, are you becoming more sensitive to the Spirit of God the more you walk with him? Or as time goes on, are you becoming less sensitive to his prompting and leading? Uh, and then fourthly, do you want to be remembered for how you love Jesus sacrificially in your life when all is said and done? Or do you want to be remembered primarily for how you pursued your own personal gain and happiness and success?
I had to do a lot of repenting as I was working on this sermon. And I didn't come here to make you feel miserable as we get ready for the season of Easter during the season of Lent. <clears throat> Someone said, man, I felt bad enough before I came to church. Why would I want to go to church and feel worse? It's because through repentance, we're set free. Through acknowledging our sin and, and our, our failure, that's when the Lord Jesus just takes us in his arm and embraces us takes us in and, and says, man, I do love you, I forgive you, and I, wanna, I want you to be all that I intended you to be. I want to bless you. And, and so it leads to freedom. It's not to make you miserable. So let's pray. <clears throat> and so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for Mary and how she surrendered her greatest asset to you, just in her token act of worship, and how you thought, how you said this was so beautiful. And it, it spread like fragrant perfume and permeated the house. And, and that's what our love does for you every time we worship you, Lord. Every time we serve others in the name of, you, of Christ, Lord, it is fragrant offering to you. And it's beautiful. So I thank you for my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for this beautiful church and how you manifest yourself over and over again through the many ministries and people of this church. Continue to make yourself known as we lift you up, especially this Easter, Lord. I pray that many will come to you for the first time, or they'll come back to you for the first time in a long time. So, Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your unconditional love for us. Amen.